Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. If you'll open with me, open 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 1. If you're there, you say, Amen. If you're not there, you'll look on the screens. We have a certain patience for people who don't have Bibles. Praise God. The Bible says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. He said, let a man so account of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And moreover, the Bible says, it is required. The Bible says, in stewards. In stewards. That a man be found faithful. Not only by stewards, but in stewards. That a man be found, what? Faithful. Praise the Lord. That is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. One of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. You know, somebody can say, isn't other scriptures important? I'm not saying that other scriptures are not important. I'm only saying that certain truths based on other truths. That without the reality of some truths, other truths might be incomplete. Praise God. There are foundational truths in the gospel. That is why when Paul is speaking of the laying on of the foundation in scripture, he speaks of how we shouldn't go back again to the laying on of the foundation. Like repentance from dead works, faith toward God. All of these things he speaks therefore living the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection. Laying not again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And he continues on that of the doctrines of the baptisms and of the laying on of hands of the resurrection of the dead. There are things that are foundational. Do you understand? Those are the things on which we build the other truths. And what I'm going to share with you here is very pertinent in the foundational truths. These are things that you, every believer, must know. Praise God. They must know. You must know. It's not even something I ask you to. It's a must. You know, the Bible tells us of how the spirits or the souls of men have become so callous. And some people have become indifferent and they love simplicity. He says, how long will you simple and love simplicity? Because I'm, I'm come to give subtlety to the man which is simple. I've said that before. Praise God. So some people are, me, I want something. I understand. Do you want something you understand or do you need truth? Answer me. Do you simply want something you understand or do you need truth? You need truth. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, he says, if we ought to, of course, Paul was speaking from an apostolic office as the apostles of that time. But this is relatively true to every believer that we are all in a way ministers of Christ. Hallelujah. And stewards of the mysteries of God. That is powerful. 
Somebody say, I'm a minister of Christ. Say it. It's important for your tongue to say it. I'm a minister of Christ. And I'm a steward of the mysteries of God. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word there for stewards is the Greek word oikonomos, right? It comes from two root words, oiko, meaning household, nomos, uh, sort of the instructor, the instructions, the, 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 the regulation set. Do you understand? Spiritually. In the sense, oikonomos, steward, there literally means somebody, it's likened to somebody who has a house, okay? In that house, there's a lot of activity in that house. And then he gets another individual and leaves him with that house and tells him, you are the manager of this household. You will manage the expenses in the household. You'll manage the receipts and you will receive it. You'll give accountability of whatever happens. You will feed the people in that household. You'll make sure that by the time I come back, everything that I know is needed to run that household perfectly, you have done. That's what we call stewardship or economos. In charge of a thing. To take responsibility of, to take accountability of, to manage household affairs. If, if for example, when we were growing up many times, sometimes our parents used to go. My father used to go for safaris, business safaris, many times. And then sometimes he would come to us and tell you, you're in charge. Eh? I've left you in charge of the household. I don't know what he meant by that then because I was a little boy. But I think he wanted to, to breed a, a sort of responsibility that when a man, hold, a man leaves his household and leaves somebody in charge, they're supposed to take responsibility of the affairs of that household. If you've understood, say amen. And that's what stewardship is. Don't simply look at it as keeping you with a pen. No. There is less responsibility to keep a pen. There is more responsibility, more responsibility to run a household. Are you following what I'm saying? So we're talking about you being a steward. One responsible of something. To, to take... For if I leave you with a business, for example, and you're working a business and your boss leaves you with a business, tells you, you know what? Take care of this business. Make sure all the operation costs are running, right? All the incomes are given to the staff. All, you, all everything is done. It says that if I come back after one or two years, I find that the thing is running the way it is supposed to be running. That is a steward, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody say amen. Now, connected to what I'm trying to say, he says, you are stewards of the mysteries of God. What a powerful responsibility. You are stewards of the mysteries of God. God dwells in mystery. God relates in mystery. He does not necessarily intend that a man see him or perceive him as a mystery. But he intends that he firstly gets a man to a certain place before he entrusts him with the heavenly things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you who have read about the power, I mean the responsibility of the angelics. The angelics in scripture that are appointed to keep sacred things, the sacred things of God. They, they, they are responsible to keep those things that God calls sacred. He calls them those things special. You, you get where I'm coming from? Now, it's the same thing that I'm trying to give you here today. That you are, the Bible says, a steward of the mysteries of God. Somebody say, I'm a steward of the mysteries of God. You are a steward. You're not a seeker. You are not one seeking 
mystery. You're not a searcher of mystery. You're not one on a conquest to find mystery. The Bible says you are a steward of mysteries. The mysteries of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. So and because God dwells in mystery. God relates with man in mystery. One time the Bible tells us his, his disciples come to him. I think it was in Matthew 13. And he was speaking in parables. He was speaking to people in parables. Of course, I know simple people are like, ah, uh, uh, the way Jesus is speaking, I, I think that is not my fellowship. I don't think that that is for me. Why is he speaking things I can't understand? That is not for me. I want something that I can understand. Whoa, way, whoa, way, whoa, way. You'll sink. Even Jesus spake in parables. The Bible says, and the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? These people don't understand you. They don't understand the depth that you're speaking, the angle from where you're coming from. But you still continue to speak in parables. Isn't that pride? Jesus. Shouldn't you learn to, to rearrange your, your sermon to make it more suitable for people to understand you? Sometimes the minister also has the trouble to reconcile the timing of the spirit huh? according to what is revealed in purpose versus where the people are. You get my point? And sometimes it's not that the, the preacher doesn't want you to understand or that he does not care for your understanding. Sometimes it's that realization one day that you are behind time. You're the one delaying the church. The church is not the one faster than you. No, you're the one delaying it. You, you are the one holding yourself back from the deeper things of God. Hallelujah, somebody. Refuse to be a simple preacher. Refuse to be a simple businessman. Refuse to be a simple uh, career person. Refuse to be a simple engineer. Refuse to be a simple worshiper. Why? Because has say, God has said you are a steward of the hidden things of God. Mysterious is mysterious, meaning the hidden things of God. Things that the normal and simple, the Greek says, cannot easily find. God is so deep. Tell your neighbor, God is so deep. And I'm a steward of deep things. Say, God is so deep. And I'm a steward of deep things. Are you following what I'm saying? So Jesus asks, they asked Jesus, why are you speaking in parables? And he answered and said unto them, because it is given to you. You see, that answer is so strange. Why are you speaking to them? Why are you speaking to them in parables? Why do you speak to those people who might not understand? Yes, we also don't understand. But also, we care so much about even those ones who have just come on the meeting. They don't even know where you're coming from. At least we've tested you. Why are you speaking in parables? He says, because it is given to you. Why are you speaking in parables? Because it is given to you. But we don't feel it. Yes, because it is given to you. But we don't see it. Yes. It is still given to you. But we, we, we don't understand it. Yes, we, yes, you don't understand it. But it is still given to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like saying, I'm not driving a car. But you have a car. But, but you see, I don't know how to drive it. But you have a car. But, but, but you don't understand. I want to go from one point 
to another point. You have a car. God is still insisting. You have a car. So the point is not to God. The point is not what you're not able to do with what is given. Or the complexity of what you think is complex. To God it's the reality that he has given. Hallelujah. And therein is the mystery also. Therein is the mystery. That, you see, when he continues, he says, but to them, this is Jesus, it is not given to them. Those guys who are following me around, if I have not called them, if I have not revealed them certain things, it is not given to them. Meaning, even though they are in a congregation listening to me, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly speaking to you. But Jesus, you're not fair. Why is it? You see, there's a difference between, a, between being simply a, one attending Christ and one being a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's a difference. Some people simply attend Christ. They, they attend fellowships. They attend prayer meetings. They attend deliverance meetings. They attend <laughs> restoration meetings. They attend mountain meetings. They attend valley meetings. They attend all these kinds of meetings. But their need, their spiritual need, their unseen need is not after a discipled spirit. They are not followers of Christ. They are simply people who tap from the riches of his grace. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Jesus is telling the disciples, look, I don't care how many people are seated listening to me. I am speaking to those who must know. Because the gospel has to transcend. It has to go. To, it doesn't mean that God is not caring about them. No. It doesn't mean that Jesus does not love them. No. It only means he had a short time on us to speak way too much that he needed certain people to get it for the gospel to continue. Somebody shout hallelujah. And indeed they left him. Except the twelve. Indeed they left him. You understand? And he asks the twelve two, are you going to leave? And they say, ah, where shall we go? For with you are the words of life. Somebody shout hallelujah. But there's something very deep in there. The next verse, let's go back to where we're at. It says, for whosoever, listen, whosoever has. That means it's important for you to know that you have. It's important for you not to seek. That right there is a gate. It's a door in the spirit. To let you to an inner realm in God. He's saying, whosoever has. Okay, it is given to you. If you know that you have. The Bible says, to him shall be given. The Bible says, and he shall have more abundance. Oh. Oh. I wish somebody understood what I just said. To whom has? The Bible says, shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not, from him shall be taken away even that which he has. Put it in the context of, of the word of God. If you believe in your spirit that you are a steward of the mystery of God, you, 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 the mysteries of God, if you, you believe that you are a steward of the mysteries, you are a household, you are a manager of this household called mysteries, the, the moment, the mere belief that you have, 
more will be given. The, the simple belief that you have, more will be given. And the thought, the simple thought that I don't have, even that which you have shall be taken away from you. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have not, if you think, ah, I don't have, you, let me explain it in the simpler terms. If you think that you are deep, you'll become deeper. If you think, ah, I don't understand the gospel. Even that which you understood shall be taken away by the devil. Somebody say, I am deep. That is why I don't understand the equation of ministers who leave the Bible and indulge themselves in the affairs of this life. The battles and wars between each other. I don't get it. How can you be in a position where you are expecting more? You, that means you already have too much on your plate to know who stole. You already have too much to know God than who ate spoke last week. And then you indulge yourself in the affair of who ate pork last week. When there is abundance waiting for you, it's just roaming in the spirit. It's just saying, I want to engulf you. I just want to fill you. I want to multiply you. I want to increase you. I want to add on you such that when they see you tomorrow, they'll realize you're a different woman than the one that was in this meeting today. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's why I believe that if you find ministers who fight each other, these are people who have not seen God. God is too deep to waste time on another man. He is too deep to even talk about another man. God, tell anybody about God, is too deep for you to talk about another man. He's too deep. The Bible says the Holy Spirit sounds out the bottomless things of God. That means... When we are digging deep in the things of the spirit, we are going on an overflow of depth that just doesn't end eh? and our depth defines our height. Hallelujah. But you realize this can only, this depth can only be defined in the love equation. That is why he speaks of the breadth, the width, right? The depth and the height of his love. You see the order? He says that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. No, give the amplified of that. That you may be able, to, you may have the power to be strong, to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth, right? What is the length? What is the height and what is the depth of it? The amplified puts the height before the depth. Uh -uh. KJV puts the depth, I think, before the height. Is that it? That's the true order. You cannot go up without a depth. You get it? It's like you're building a building, right? How can you take a building so high when you've not built a deep foundation? You, you get where I'm coming from? Now, the Bible is very clear that when you look at the bottomless things, Corinthians calls them the bottomless things of God. That means the deeper we go, the higher we go. The deeper we go. When, when, if, God, if you want to go deep, God is saying you will never have the end of depth. 
That is why I can't sit there and I worry. I say, Naiba Nange. I have over preached. If I wake up one day, I don't have a sermon. <laughs> what I had will be taken away. Why? Because I've put a possibility of not having. Who has understood what I just said? I will always de be deep. Tell your neighbor, I will always be deep. Why? Because I know how to draw. And I'm showing you the way. I'm showing you the way. I'm showing you the way. You see, let me share something very, very, very interesting. The Bible says, for example, I'm giving you an example. When he's talking in Ephesians about the principalities and powers to the intent that by the church will be shown to the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. God is literally telling you, principalities don't understand a prayer warrior. Principalities understand the wisdom of a prayer warrior. Principalities don't understand a prayer mountain. Principality understand the wisdom on the prayer mountain. Some people think eh, that you're just going to go and cry. And then God will say, Bambi, she's crying. Then Michael will start telling, Hey, Paolo, Paul, why don't you talk to God about this woman? The, the woman has been weeping all this through. So you see, you see her. You see her face is full of tears. Why, why don't you talk to eh, Jesus? Because I think you're closer. And then tell the guy to just bail out the woman. For me, I'm, I can take the message. Just, just, no, no, no. God is not emotional. God is revelational. Tell your neighbor, God is revelational. He's not emotional. I will never run out. Listen. He knows what you need. And he knows that, that all you need is wisdom. That is why he says in Ephesians, he says for whosoever no, no, in Ephesians, he speaks of how that the, this manifold wisdom was given to the church, to the intent that unto the principalities and powers might be known by the church the, the manifold wisdom of God. The principalities are waiting to see wisdom. They'll bow to you. The powers of this world are waiting to see how much wisdom is coming out of the spirit. They'll bow to you. The demons that, that are tormenting you, apostles have prayed for so long. But Bambi, and you think eh, that because a, a man of God is there, he'll just tell you, today you are free. No, you see, you, you, okay, let them speak. But you see, everything proclaimed, you must see the wisdom in the proclamation of every word that comes out as Rema. Do you understand what I'm saying? In the proclamation of everything that comes out as Rema. People call it the now word, but they don't know why it's called the now word. It's the now word because it's the word that is sent to respond to the purpose of God concerning your life in his wisdom. Rema is, is a wisdom in God. It's, it's, he's the word of God. He, in his wisdom, in his infinite wisdom, he knows that's what you need. You need to know the word. You need to understand the word. The devil fears people who know the word. You can pray all you want. You can scream all you want. I've shared of a story of a guy who fasted for, was it more than 90 days? Because he wanted to see the face of God. And the guy became crippled and blind after 90 days. Up to today, he has never walked out of a wheelchair. But that crippledness was in the process of him seeking God. He entered into a realm he was not able to, 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 to hold. 
He exposed himself into a realm that he was not able to withstand, to, to hold in his spirit because the reality of this anger in God sometimes loses the mind of purpose and takes men into the place of lasting. And you ask and receive not because the Bible says you want to consume it on your lusts. Why do you want power? Why do you want increase? Why do you want a breakthrough? You, you're still in that little small talk of God come out for me such that my sister will see the one who hated me last week. So God also has to come in your little zero thinking to, to also come out for you and then give you a car such that your sister can feel bad and you put him in your little small drama and you say, Christians, he has ashamed my enemies. God doesn't need to give you a car to assume your enemies. And don't limit your driving to your enemy. What if they don't exist? Come on, slap somebody. So you, you, you submit yourself, you know, our enemies. You know everyone has enemies. You know, every, you know, there, there are people who love enemies. They, they have enemy prayers. Kill them, God. They will not see a good day. Let them suffer. Let them die. Every time you're, you're breaking your you're enemies. Enemies, 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 enemies. Tell your neighbor they are not a factor in your story. No man has a vote on your future. No man. No man. So, instead of looking at the car as a tool of the gospel, you look at it, you look at it as a revenge from the guy who hates you. And God is like, oh my goodness. I gave you this car to preach the gospel. I did not give it to you for you to roll around in it and say, ah, see? Didn't I tell you? Tell your neighbor, the one they're talking about did not come. But are you learning something? I'm, I'm going to go so deep in a few minutes. But I need to, 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 to draw the foundation of, of where we are going. Huh? So, the manifold wisdom of God is known by the principalities and powers of this world through the church. So when God wants to destroy a principality, he gives the church wisdom. If God wants to destroy a rulership, a power, he gives you wisdom. If God wants to take disease out of your body, he wants to give you wisdom. If God wants to fix your marriage, he wants to give you wisdom. If God wants to use you as a minister of the gospel, he will give you wisdom. He, listen, you, Uganda too had principalities and powers. Some of you don't realize that a couple of years ago, it was practically impossible for people to leave their workplaces on a weekday to come and pray. What you see are people sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you. But what some of you don't see is that there was a time where it was impossible to have 7,000 or 8,000 people on one ground listening to God. And the rain hits them as though they have nothing to do. And their parents who have children. Who they left at home and their spouses who left their husbands or wives at home. There was a time this was not possible. There was a time you would say I'm doing a meeting. Everybody saying, I remember the first time we went to La Bonita. Eh, it was like a miracle. Even, my goodness, we made news. I entered the other day in La Bonita. And I was like, oh, ooh, ooh. you understand? I could not believe that that was my faith. 
Who understands what I'm saying? And it's funny. Some people think eh, it's just a bunch of excited people. They just come on and they're just excited. Then they tell them sin. Then they say, Amen. Then they come again. <laughs> Praise God. But the master plan was in wisdom. We knew, we understood that if only we could walk in a certain wisdom, not Uganda, this world was ours. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now translate that to your business. Translate that to your career. Translate that to your marriage. Translate that to your education. Translate that to what you're studying in school. You're not just going to school in that university to come out and say, oh, I've graduated with a funny heart like a, like a Harry Potter who do. And then, and then you come out and say, oh, I, I've graduated. No. You're deeper than that. Somebody say, I'm deeper than that. I'm writing history in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm calling out something in somebody. I'm, ah! I'm calling out something. I'm calling out something. So that one day people will look at you and say, that is the church of Jesus Christ. He says, ten shall come and hold on to you and say, let us go with you. For we have heard that the Lord is with you in your marriage. The Lord is with you in your business. The Lord is with you in your career. The Lord is with you in your ministry. The Lord is with you. You're not alone. Somebody say, we are not alone. Somebody shout, hallelujah. What people see is power. They see the power to heal the sick. But they don't see the wisdom behind that power. And they are asking for power without the wisdom. Gifts have their place. Right now, I'm not operating upon the gift on my life. No. I'm operating in the wisdom upon my life. You must understand it. You must understand it. Gifts, the gifts of the spirit have an end to their ministration. You, you get my point? But the wisdom of God, it, it goes way deeper than just the gift to heal the sick. Do you understand? That's so why when you go in the gifts of the spirit that are spoken, you realize he doesn't address it. He doesn't address wisdom in that. He doesn't simply speak about wisdom in that. No, no. Wisdom is way deeper than that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Somebody say I'm wise. I have the wisdom of God. Say it again and say I have the wisdom of God. You see, that's the little difference between the law and grace because the law tells you get what you don't have. Grace tells you you have it. Receive the abundance of it. That is why every time God speaks of grace, huh, it, when you understand grace, you will never enter abundance until you understand the spirit of grace. Huh? That's why he says, much more them which have received the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. Grace is abundant. Grace has an, an abundance to it. Grace doesn't tell you what you don't have to get. Grace tells you what you have to work in you. It's like when somebody says you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. You see, what are they saying? Life and death are in the power of the tongue, isn't it? If I say you're a sinner, you're a sinner, and I continue telling you that you're a sinner, what happens? You will sin more because you are 
a sinner. If life and death are in the power of the tongue, imagine God every day calling you a sinner. Imagine him waking up every day telling you, you're a sinner. Imagine God. If the Bible says he calls the living from the dead and call it the things that are not as though they are. Do you expect God to call you a sinner? You, a boo is a believer. Do you expect God to call you a sinner? If he calls the things that are not as though they were, do you expect him to call you a sinner? Do you understand what I'm saying? He has to call you his righteousness. To call the things that are not as though they are. Because he knows by calling you his righteousness, that righteousness will be imputed upon your spirit. Human beings don't understand the reality of how frail this utopia of self-righteousness is. He finds a woman. Remember the woman who they wanted to stone? He writes on the ground and then nobody condemns him. He says, you without sin cast the first stone. Huh? Then he writes on the ground and comes up, tells them so. They, they walk away and then the Bible says, neither condemn I you. And then he tells her, go and sin not. Some people don't understand. It's practically impossible to tell an unregenerated nature that don't sin anymore. Who has understood what I just said? It, it's, in that, it's in its nature. She's in the Adamic. She's not born again. And he tells her, sin no more. How can she sin no more? Except he's trying to tell her, find a way to get to me. Find a way to follow me to the time of the death and my resurrection. Because if you believe in me, you will not perish, but have life eternal. For there is no condemnation to them with in Christ Jesus. For the law of the life-giving spirit in Christ Jesus has given has set them free from the law of sin and death. Of sin and death. The law of sin and death. When you tell somebody who is not born again and you tell them, don't sin. Do they have the power not to sin? He's trying to tell her what I'm trying to tell you. That he's trying, in the literal sense, he's trying to give her wisdom to tell her, pursue after me. Follow my pattern. Because I who has told you sin no more, I'm the only one who can help you not to sin anymore. If this woman walks back in that self-righteousness and says, Jesus told me not to do it again, mama, that she would have set a fire on herself. Of God proving her to her that she cannot do it in her own strength. For the Bible says, man even at his vanity is still what? So at his best is still what? Vanity. When, when you say, I am the best human being, I don't lie, I don't do anything, I even bathe every day. The moment, the moment you start to say that, God says, you're still vanity. Tell your neighbor, the one they're talking about didn't come. So are you following what I'm saying? Now let's go a bit deeper here. So I just read for you and I told you the devil responds to wisdom. Those of you who spend nights in deliverance services, they're chasing things off you that will never leave. You're shaking, hitting your head down and coming up and still not changing. I have good news for you. You're doing it the wrong way. The way of deliverance is the way of wisdom. To know what you have and who you are and whose you are. That is, you know, I wish some of you met me at 19. In my home area, you ask my mother. They used to just come, is Grace there? Is he there? Why? Because everybody who had a demon, everybody who had a problem, everybody who had a sickness, they were looking for 
this apostle prophet man of God. You understand? And I remember those earlier years, like it is, the anointing was available. I used to demonstrate power. I used to cast out devils. Women would roll down and then everything happens. And the same woman is still poor after two years. But she rolled under my power and the wig fell off. One time I was preaching and I said, Holy Ghost, and the wig stuck and I ran away. That's why women these days I touch your forehead. I can't risk because I can't tell what is what. <laughs> but it's okay, look beautiful. Put on what you want. Praise God. He loves you the way you are. And then I'll see demonstrations. I'll speak prophetic words in their lives and do all these kind of things. And after years, they still don't change. But because there's a lot of activity around me, people say, eh, that boy is anointed. Oh, he's anointed. Until one time, Jesus, I was praying and I was disturbed in my spirit because there's people who had preached two, two, three years and indeed, yes, there were a few short fixes. She had a cancer and it left. She had a swelling and it went. She had a cough and it left. She had a tuberculosis and it healed. Oh, she had a blood disease and it was healed. Oh, he had a problem or the dead and God paid it. Yes, they had a few short fixes. But when I looked in the lives of these people, they were not really changed. They were touched by the power of God, but they were not changed by it. You see, you can touch a generation and not change it. They can be touched by the power of God. You understand? Virtue can come out of your spirit and heal a man and cleanse a leper. But you never change them. And I ask God, why have I failed to see change in these same people? They're still coming for bread like they did three years ago. None of them hungers for meat. Like he says, the foundations of the world are out of course. For they have no understanding, neither knowledge. We had those ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of God. But I realized what they were learning was another way. And Jesus asked me this question. He asked me, why did I teach more than anything? I said, say again. He said, why did I teach more than anything? Was I not a prophet? Was I not a healer? Was I not the Lord of, of, of the world? Yes. But why did I take time to teach? Every time he's on the boat teaching. He's on the boat teaching. What you call the, the revival movement of 1900, Charles Palm, eh? what they call the Pentecostal movement, in its entirety, in, in that move that, that, that fathers the William Seymour's of the Azusa, Charles Parham used to teach for seven hours every day. That was the spirit that began the movement you are swimming in and going on just a deliverance service to raise your hands and think that somehow they'll swing a magic wand and deliver you. Yes, we have the power for your deliverance, but those things you will get, if you want healing, you're going to get it. If you want a man, okay, get him. If you want a job, okay, get it. But those are only short fixes you are deeper than just being healed of a disease god wants to do more in your life than getting you a tome god wants to do more in your life than getting you a good job that pays you in dollars and then you testify and say you know what i got a dollar job yes but the minister and the steward of the mystery can you leap a bit higher and go into a deeper responsibility and grace 
of glory than simply having a good job and having a nice husband and having a nice child and having a nice this. And all of these things shall follow you because you're a pursuer of the things that must be pursued. But while these things find you, some of you, the end of your, your life is a good house and a nice car and a nice woman on your side. And then you say, ah, God has been good. Apostle, hey, Apostle, I can't complain. That is why we go on the streets, hallelujah. And then we preach the gospel. And we are saying, yes, this job is wonderful, hallelujah. But I'm not going to present my PhD in heaven. I'm not going to stand before the Lord and present my career and doctorate thing. No, I'm going to remind him how I stood on Kampala Road, hallelujah. And they laughed and passed around and say, this man is crazy. Hey, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew and to the Gentile. If you preached on the streets, you have a story to tell your children. Hallelujah. Be, stretch a little bit deeper. And be a minister of Jesus Christ. You might never stand on the pulpit like me. You might never be in the choir. Yes. God doesn't reward office. He rewards faithfulness. There's a security guy who's probably getting more than a preacher standing somewhere in the pulpit. Why? Because God rewards faithfulness. Now, we're going deeper here. So, we're talking about wisdom. huh? The wisdom of God. And he says, this manifold wisdom, the many-sidedness of the wisdom of God, is that which to the principalities and powers of this world is revealed who God is. The church uses that wisdom to break every principality and power. Right? Now, let me, let me read for you something very, very, very deep. Let me read for you something of, of, of very, very important. Now, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 8. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 8. Now, the Bible says, that same wisdom I was telling you, for the principalities, for the principalities and powers to bow, right? He says, he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Huh? Jesus, God, has abounded toward us. In all wisdom and prudence. That all manifold wisdom that breaks the principalities and powers and dominions of this world, right? In the next, you see there is a semicolon, right? That means it's continuing to explain how this wisdom and prudence manifests itself. And he, he, it manifests itself by having made known unto us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure which he has purposed in him. That means that when we access the mystery of the spirit... Wisdom is, is, is manif I mean, wisdom is manifested through the revelation of his mystery. I'm talking about mysteries of God, stewards of mysteries of God. There is many mysteries in the Bible, many mysteries. The mystery of godliness, the Bible calls it. What is the mystery of godliness? In the book of Revelation, there is also some called the mystery of God. There's a difference between the mystery of godliness. And the mystery of God. You, there's a difference. You understand? Like, what the difference between spirit, numa, and spiritual, numaticos, tending to, to the spirit, right? It's the same thing that there's a difference between the spirit of God, I mean, the, the mystery of God, and the mystery of godliness. The mystery of faith. The Bible speaks of the mystery of faith. Faith is a mystery. 
Of course, it's not to those who either have understood it or to those who are indifferent to it and have a wrong understanding of it. Faith is not mental assent. It's not the point where you cause your, your brain to agree. Many people, when, when their brain agrees with something, they think, ah, because my brain thinks it. Therefore, I am believing it. Therefore, I have faith. I, I believe. Apostle, I have faith. No, no, listen. Listen. I thank God for a man, one time a man that, that I learned from a couple of years ago. Kenneth Hagin. He, he always said, if it is faith, it will work. Reverend Kenneth Hagin said, if it's not faith, even if you convince yourself that it is faith, but it has not worked. It was not faith. It was not faith. Faith works. Tell your neighbor, faith works. So without works, it's dead. See, it's dead. Without work, without manifestation, it's dead. It's not faith. You get where I'm coming from? The only important thing, again, I'll take you back to the equation of the depth and height. It worketh by love. He speaks of a faith that worketh by love. If you never, and that one, it's another day. But if, you, if it's another day, I would need more to say this. But if you never understand the mystery of love, you will never flow in the power of faith. In the mystery of faith. Faith is not given to men who don't know how to walk in love. It's that unforgiveness that sometimes holds you back from entering the miraculous. And you will never understand it. You will never understand it. And you want to walk in the miraculous with unbelief. And an unforgiveness, sorry. Unforgiveness. 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 You, you get my point? Until you are perfected in the royal law. You will never understand that faith works by love. You see? So you see that it's patterned. It's one thing after another. So the base of that faith is love. Love precedes faith. Faith does not precede love. Love precedes faith. You see that there are certain truths, again, like I said, that based on other truths, right? The mystery of marriage. The Bible calls it the great mystery. Some of you just enter marriage. I love you. I love you. Then they put a ring on you. Then you go telling people... You know, newlyweds, when they're explaining, they turn that married finger. They say, some things are, have to go <laughs> slowly by slowly. <laughs> Praise God. But are you understanding what I'm saying? There's many mysteries. The mystery of the indwelling Christ. Some people think that's a little thing. Oh, that's powerful. It's a mystery to, to understand what it means for God, Jesus, to dwell in you. Some people, no, no, it's not obvious. No, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How, 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 again, you see now, how he's dwelling in your hearts through faith, that you've been rooted and grounded in love. You understand? You, you, you see, he, through faith, through faith, your faith, right? Give me the amplified of that. That Christ, he says, may dwell through your faith, may actually dwell, sort of down and abide, may make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love. You see, again, it's love, it's faith, it's, it's Christ, it's dwelling, he's indwelling. He can only indwell to the degree of how much faith is operating in love. You see, everything has its own pattern. Until you understand the pattern of the mysteries of God. It's like somebody one time was telling me, uh, this grace doctrine. Grace is not a doctrine. When you understand the mystery 
Grace is a dispensation. It's not like one of those attributes like mercy and forgiveness. No. The Bible calls it the mystery of the dispensation of grace. Dispensation was accorded a time in time history. We are in the dispensation of grace. It's a place spiritually. Praise the Lord Jesus. It's a place. Until you understand it, you may never know. Then you go in, the, in, in Revelation and find the, the mystery of the woman, the mystery of Babylon. The, the list is endless. And all of these things, God says, you are a steward. You know. Uh, but Apostle, I don't know the mystery of faith. Okay, you don't know the mystery of faith, but you know. You know. One time I'll preach a very hard sermon. Huh? Very hard. It's called, I'll call it the mystery of the gospel because it exists. The mystery of the gospel, right? The hidden things of the gospel. You, I'll make you understand why some people think they are preaching the gospel. They think when you enter their brain, they are convinced that they are preaching the gospel. They've even earned their ranks and have titles. Prophet, apostle, special apostle, bishop, evangelist. But they don't understand the gospel. The mystery of the gospel. What is the gospel? Some mix it. You understand? They, they have a form. They understand. Let me tell you. Eh? I, I, there I have a lot to say. I'm just preserving some of you because I don't know whether I, you will come back. <laughs> Praise God. But the gospel is a mystery. Until you understand the gospel a certain way, until you understand it, you will never see the results of the gospel in your life. Now, ignore uh, Gundi, Apostle, so and so, and look at you as an individual. If you claim to understand the gospel, why don't you have the results of the gospel? Because you see, you can tell me I know, me I know, but in my heart I know, in my own way. No, no, no. There's no such thing as your own way. The gospel has a very set standard of results. It's like when he says you have faith, you'll move a mountain. Don't tell me your faith moves pens. Because for you, you want to move pens. No. 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 And then you check their heart and you realize they actually want to move mountains. But because they don't know how, they give excuse of not moving our mountains and then they say, ah, no, me, God called me to move a pen. If I want mountains, I can move them. But when you check their heart, right? Like he told Simon the sorcerer, their, their heart is not with God. For in them, is bitterness. It's a girl of bitterness. They, their heart is not right with God. They, their heart is not right with God. They have no part or lot in the matter of the gospel. There are many people who are preaching the gospel, but they don't have a part or lot in it. They, they don't have a portion in the deeper things of God. Yes, they can scratch the surface and have the results of men who are on the surface. But God wants to take you deeper uh -uh. There's somebody here who says, but Apostle, I wish you understand. Me, I came to be healed. Okay. I'm going to pray for you and you what? After you're healed, uh-huh. Then I get a job, okay. Then we pray for a job, uh-huh. Then I get a man, okay. The man comes, uh-huh. Then I get a house, okay. The house is there, uh-huh. 
Then I continue in my master's. Okay, uh-huh. The master's degree is there, uh-huh. What more? I have everything I need. Okay, die. You see? Do you understand what I'm saying? Until you realize you were created for more. No, you'll get the bread too. You'll get the bread too. Healing is the children's bread, you see? But meat was accorded to you too. Eat the meat too. Enjoy the, 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 the what? Enjoy the rib, the prime rib. Hallelujah. Chew the bone, praise God. And be something that somebody like say, no, this woman, this woman, she, she might be a lawyer in town. She might be an engineer, but she knows God. And the results of the gospel are manifested in her life. The gospel is a mystery. One of the most powerful things, one of the most powerful, powerful writings on this mystery, you go read Jude. I'll teach about it one day. And the Bible says that there are clouds that hold no rain. Why would they hold no rain except they appear to have rain? Do you understand what I'm saying? Can I look at Cyrus' clouds and I expect rain? No, it's Nimbus, right? So, it has a form, yeah? There are the spots of the feast in charity. The Bible says they're feeding themselves without fear. Clouds without water, carried about of winds, trees, whose fruit withereth, and without fruit, twice dead, plucked from the roots. But they're existing in the church. And they have titles. They even know how to appeal to the simple. Because some people, what they hear is what they believe. You... Sometimes I look at the church and just tears come to my heart. Because how much deception is in the church today in what people call the gospel. The minister of God. You ask him, how are you proved as a minister? How are you proved as a minister? Are you proved because some guy saw you and then they said, ah, you look like a prophet. Bring your head. Prophet. You look like an apostle. Yeah, bring your head. They prayed for me and they said that I have a prophetic, I have an apostolic calling, I have a teaching evangelistic. Then you start right away, woman. Then you grow up the ranks among the simple and then you're promoted because the guy is desperate. He has nobody to promote but you speak English and you have money. And then somehow you start growing up the ranks. Then before you know that you're ordained under indifferent oil. <laughs> and once you ordain an African. <laughs> then you tell them you are pastor. Address them by one name, you'll see fire. Say, Peter. No, no, no. Pastor Peter. You're no longer a pastor in this ministry. You know what they do? They look for another ministry. Then they go to another ministry and introduce themselves in that ministry as Pastor Peter. There's a young man who used to call himself some title. I told him, you're not that title. He left. How can you disrespect the anointing on my life? <laughs> he left to, to pursue his title. Up to today, I'm still waiting. 
to hear whether he'll cough anything. And nothing. And sadly, such people stay like that. They stay like that all their lives. And then they grow old and the person says, I am a pastor. I am a bishop. And then you look at the guy and you're like, bishop, pastor, apostle. Yes, I'm an apostle. Apostle of what? <laughs> of what? Praise God. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say, God help us. Yes, God help us. How can you be a cloud? I'll teach it one day. Without rain, without water. But you're promising. When people look at you, they say, eh, this person looks promising. Yes, you can look promising all you want. You can create forms outside because of insecurity and even put on garbs that other people are putting on because of responsibility. You, you're putting on because of insecurity. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like when you go to... Anyway. Apostle preach what brought you here. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1 verses 24. I'll read that and I'll finish I think because of time. Some of you need to go home. Paul rejoices in the sufferings for the church to fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in his flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So Paul is saying, I'm paying a price. I'm fulfilling all the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for the sake of the church. You see, this is a man who is being beaten because he's laying the foundation of the gospel. Paul was not beaten because of anything, no. He was being beaten, and that's another angle, to be persecuted because a man has truth. He's simply opening the world to truth. A woman has truth. She's simply introducing truth to those that need it. And the Bible says in the next verse, again, you see a full column, full, full column there, right, before. It says, well, over made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. He says, next verse, even the mystery which has been hid from the ages and generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, praise God, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he continues to say, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man you see in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in not to in Christ so all the teaching all the instructions all the preaching in all wisdom is according to revelation of the mystery and the price that is paid by grace through this man is simply because God has ordained him to reveal one mystery to the church that is why one time I made a very strong statement and I said Jesus never used to do miracles just so they know that he can do miracles. In fact, on certain events, he used to plead with men not to tell. Every miracle of the Christ has a revelation of the mystery of God. Every miracle of the Christ has a deeper revelation than what was done that day. You go read. You realize when he tells them, throw your nets to the right you know who is seated at the right hand. You understand the right hand of precision and what that right means and, 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 and the, arm, the left arm of judgment and the right arm of mercy and grace. You, you, you realize that he just doesn't do a miracle. Every miracle was teaching the church a deeper truth. 
Hallelujah. The woman with a bleeding issue. The first miracle at the marriage in Cana. How he tells them, bring the pots. And those pots, the Bible says, they were used ceremonially for the cleansing and washings in the traditional Judistic fellowship. Right? And it was, they used to use those water pots of stone after the man of the purifying of the juice containing two or three frackings apiece. Now, he gets those very things, tells them, pour water in there, turns water into wine. Are you hearing me? And that wine is not washing outside like the Jews used it. That wine is coming inside. And he's trying to explain to them, this is a wine and wine skin mystery. You cannot put new wine in an old wine skin. Because it shall be broken, the wine skin, and it shall be spilled. For new wine belongs to a new wine skin. He's trying to explain way deeper things. No man was tested. Old wine says, give me the new, for he says the old is better. But he's talking about what he does inside versus what the men of the law are doing outside. Because the law tries to cleanse the outside and God tries to cleanse in the inside. But that was the first miracle. What people pick is, so that means wine is allowed. Listen. The wine Jesus made never made drunk. So make one which they make drunk. You're free to drink it. It's not for kings to take wine. The Bible says it's not for kings to take wine. Did you understand what I'm saying? And I want to close with this. Until you understand that everything you do is supposed to be a mystery revealing God, you will never be an effective Christian. You might be an usher right? In a meeting. How do you usher by the spirit? How do you turn and sense there could be something behind there? The power of God is going to move in that direction. Are you hearing me? Let me go and stand here. I feel led by the Holy Spirit to stand here because I feel an action is going to take place here. I'm like, but why is it that you're always on time when the power of God is moving? Because you are a steward of the mystery of God. That worshiper that gets a song and starts to sing it, you're singing the exact song that was in the heart of people the whole day. And somehow as as they were singing it in their heart, you come with a very song that the person needed to hear to go to the other level. And somebody said, but why is it that when that man or woman worships, they worship from my heart? Why? Because you are a steward of the mystery. I'm talking of the preacher who just doesn't preach a sermon on Sunday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday just to fulfill the consciences because you got what to preach. But to a point where every time you're preaching, you are speaking the things people are thinking about. You understand? Have you been in a situation where you're thinking about something, you're talking about something, you're you're ministering to yourself about something, you're meditating about something, you're fellowshipping over a word and that is the day man of God puts it on the altar. That's what makes a minister of mystery. That exists in the realm of Rema. That's what makes the word relevant in the present time and makes everybody pick their own thing. That's why they continue coming because everybody has understood you their own way. But at least somebody has picked something. You're a business person. But you must get to a level where you don't just do business. No, you are a steward of the mystery. In a time when men are investing and the spirit tells you, ah, don't invest in this, you hold back. And then they invest the wrong way. And then their businesses die. And then you invest in the right season. And then they come to you and say, but how come you knew how to invest? How, how did you sense it? I'm a steward of the mysteries of God and I'm a minister of Jesus Christ.
don't just welfare, don't just serve water. No, be led by the spirit. Sense who needs it. Hallelujah. Design how when it's needed. Understand, okay, if I'm in this direction. One time I was in a fellowship many years ago. Many, many years ago. And as a member in the fellowship in university. And that day in the evening service, I was ushering. Huh? And I was speaking in tongues. And as I speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit tells me, go to the door. There's a demon on a woman that's going to run out and she's going to run my head in a, in a tree. And then I walked to the door. And I stood at the door. Just about two minutes from the time I stood at the door, a woman came running at a speed I could not tell you. And she almost rammed into me, rammed out outside the door, and just outside that door, there was a tree outside. And the spirit had showed me a vision that that woman was going to hurt herself. What were the consequences of a prayer meeting where a girl was in a meeting and then a demon gets on her, she runs out and rams her head on a tree and dies. What were we going to say that we're in a fellowship and somebody died and we were praying and there was a power that hit her on the tree and she died? But you see, the usher in me sensed the dawn. I went and stood next to the door. So when she was coming through, I held and I said, come back in the name of Jesus. And the power of God threw her back in the meeting. We prayed for her and she was delivered. Now, of course, after service, somebody said, how did you go? Because I'm a steward of the mystery. I know the hidden things of God. I see, I ought to see things that men don't see. I, I ought to be actively involved in the realm that is not seen. And all of that has to come by the wisdom of God. It has to operate in me either soonest the critical faculty that sends me to the door or fronesis that faculty that causes me to determine the more to get her back in the meeting beholding the end in sight. And you see, fronesis, soonesis, they're all children of Mother Sophia. Wisdom. And he has made known unto us in all wisdom and prudence he has, in all wisdom and prudence, the Bible is very clear, he has made known unto us his mystery. So me, the mystery of God, the mysteries, plural, of God are manifested through his wisdom. Don't just be a Christian. Be a Christian that is spirit-led. You know what to do. When you have to do it, you will start creating a distinctive mark on your life and people will say, this man is not ordinary. When he goes to plant somewhere, you better plant there because he has had God. When he goes to reap somewhere, you go, better go in the reaping even if the sun is up and scorching. If he goes in the desert, prepare yourself for a blossom because it's not about what is in the area he hears God. She goes where she must go. She does what she must do. She must do, sorry. And, and, and as you, people look at you entirely, they start to study their life. They start to realize that your life from the beginning to the end, they can only conclude it as spirit led. That's a minister of Christ. That's a steward of the mystery. Usher in mystery. Preach in mystery. Worship in mystery. Play your piano in mystery. You understand? Do you know why sometimes this guy there was, do you know why he's usually here? He's not here because he knows how to play. No. There are times I would meditate a song and as I get on the pulpit, he puts his fingers on that piano and plays exactly that and I'm like, now this is a man who can minister to me. He's not on that piano because he can play. The people who've seen these pianos, I've taught them to know they're not on the piano because they know how to play the piano. They're on the piano because they can read the spirit of God. They can read the flow. 
before I became a preacher as a worshiper. And the reason why the man of God used to love working with me was because I used to worship those songs that, that were needed. You understand? I'm, I'm not boasting about it. I'm only trying to tell you that I've exercised myself to these things. And I ask you to exercise yourself to the same. Somebody raise your voice and speak to God. You receive something. Just receive something right now. Just receive something. Just receive something. You make my life so beautiful. Speak in tongues. Just receive something. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost that is shifting somebody from one dispensation to another level of ministry. Power of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing greater than this. That's why I love you forevermore. You make my life so beautiful. Lord, as you were have made me here on earth. There's nothing greater than this. That's why I love you forevermore. I on your life. I decree in the mighty name of Jesus. Tonight God opens you to the life of abundance. To the life of increase in the mysteries that you've been entrusted with. I decree and I declare in the mighty name of Jesus you will manage well. You will manage the affairs of the kingdom well. You'll manage the affairs of the other realm swiftly. There'll be precision in your story. There'll be multiplication in your story. There'll be increase in your story. There'll be glory in your story. I decree and I declare that whether you're a career person, whether you're a married person, whether you're a student, whether you are uh, an employee, whether you are a self-employed person, I want to decree upon your life that from today, people are going to look at you they are going to see the actions of you and they are going to say surely indeed the mystery of God is revealed in this woman is revealed in this man receive it in the name of Jesus power of the Holy Ghost thank you Holy Spirit clap your hands and say it's mine it's mine 
I refuse to be an ordinary person. I refuse to be an ordinary person. I refuse to be an ordinary person. I'm a minister of Christ and an uncoinomous of his mysteries. I, I manage well. You'll manage well in your ministry. You'll manage well in your career. You'll manage well in your business. You will manage well in your education. You'll manage well in everything you do. You shall be excellent. Because you have the wisdom. Somebody shout hallelujah. More is going to be added on you. And as the word of God comes, it's going to produce results in you that no man could ever imagine. Somebody shout hallelujah. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.